going on, Suns fans? Justin here, and with me as always is my podcasting partner, Paul. Valley Boys! And welcome to this episode of Fanning the Flames, your oldest Phoenix Suns podcast that is made for the fans. That's you guys, by the fans, that is us. I had to change that because I, I feel like every time I say you're one and only, that's just a huge lie. We know that now. There's so many podcasts out there. So many good podcasts And they're all there. by fans. And they're all by fans. And they're all for fans. And they all do far less tangents than we do. But hey, that's And why, they do far more prep. That's why people love <laughs> us, right? That's why people love us. Or something. Anyway. As always, intro and outro music is provided by Oceans Over Airplanes. Check them out over on OceansOverAirplanes.com. You can give us a follow on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay Paul. At Dervish of Whirl. And the pod is at FanTheFlamesNBA. We are on iTunes. We are on Spotify. We are on Stitcher. We are on Google Play. We're probably on stuff that I don't even know exists out there. If you listen on any of those platforms, rate, review, and... Subscribe. Subscribe. That's the word I was looking for right there. So, we took a week off, as we tend to do. Here we yeah. are. I had to travel. I had to go to Colorado. It was really freaking cold. Now I'm back. And Devin Booker scored a lot of points. Yes, Devin Booker has <laughs> been scoring a lot of points. Thank you for that transition, Paul, because I candidly do not really care about your travels, and I don't think anybody else does really either. Nope. So... Yes, Devin Booker has been on fire as of late. Just fire. And Fuego, he's on fire. <laughs> and and it isn't really just, I mean, obviously everybody knows what we're talking about. Back-to-back 50-plus point games. First against the Jazz, he scored 59. Then just last night, we're recording on a Thursday, he scored 50 against the Wizards. It hasn't really just been those two games, though. I mean, Booker, and we'll get into this a little bit more later, but... His march has been insane. Yeah, his march has been nuts. Since the All-Star break, he's been fantastic. And at this point in time, too, there's really little choice for him because, well, the Suns are depleted. nobody left. The Suns are absolutely depleted. So we'll delve into those games a little bit. We'll talk about some other stuff like we always do. So first, Paul, yeah, the Jazz game. Yeah. Again, Booker goes for 59 points in that game. Efficiently as well. Yeah. Very efficiently. Yeah, he shot he's... 19 for 34 overall, 5 for 8 from deep, 16 for 17 from the free throw line. And to put a little icing on that cake, he added four rebounds, four assists, and a steal. Paul? Not the worst game in the world. Not the worst game in the world at all. A very impressive game. Should have had 60. Probably should have had more than 60. Thanks, Jimmer. We'll also get into that. But, Paul... Why don't you share it with us, your thoughts. Did you watch the game? Did you see the game? Did you probably followed it on GameCast if you didn't watch it. I followed it on GameCast, uh, I think, the first half, but then when I, I was home and I was able to watch the second half of it. Um, it was, for a blowout, it was entertaining strictly for that purpose. Because, I mean, it was, he was putting on a clinic. And it was just kind of sad that, no one else on the Suns could do anything else competently. I mean, he scored almost 60 points, and not a single other player on the team, I think, scored over 10. I don't think a single other player got into double digits. That's insane to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's just... I understand the Suns are missing two pretty key guys to when they had their brief resurgence a couple weeks ago in Tyler Johnson and Kelly Oubre, and, they even, and Josh Jackson's out as well. But, I mean, Aiton, I mean, unfortunately, Aiton hasn't been putting up a lot the last couple games. I mean, he did get a double-double last night, but even still, it's been, it seems he's stepped back a little bit the last couple games. But, back to Booker. Careful, Paul. (laughs) I'm just saying, I mean, when you don't have other options, I would have expected it to be divvied up between him and Booker a well, little bit more. And, and, and to that point, I mean, Aiton was the closest to double figures. Mm-hmm. He had nine points. Outside of that, Bender, four. Bridges, one. Okobo, four. Holmes, two. Jimmer, six. On an efficient one of ten shooting. <laughs> Troy Daniels, seven. So, yeah. Devin Booker dominated that game, not only by... In, in terms of scoring, he didn't just dominate the Jazz. He dominated the Suns, basically, if, if that makes sense. Right, go, yeah. But go on. I don't think you could play more one-on-five than he did that game. I mean, it's 
it's kind of sad that when Booker has had these scoring explosions, they've really, at least the three biggest ones have all been in losses. So it'll be really nice to see when he gets to go off in a win because I guess the other guys also pick up some of the slack. But it was, it, like I said, for a blowout loss, it was fun to watch him. Just every shot he took, you're like, oh, that's going in. Like, yep. No matter how ridiculous it was. And, and to that point, the shot that he made to score, I believe it was to get his 58th and 59th points. Uh-huh. From the right baseline, it was probably about a 14, 15 footer where he got double teamed, had a third guy coming in. Stepped, I don't know if he stepped back, but he was fading away, fading out of bounds. He basically kind of put it over the side of the basket, over a double team. Possibly you could consider it a triple team because there was a third guy, like I said, coming coming towards him and buried it. And I'm like, and when it left his hand, I'm like, that looks good if it doesn't hit the freaking backboard. It was, it was a ridiculous shot. And at that point, there's a minute and a half left. You're like, oh, he's got 60. And then Jimmer time happened. Yeah, I mean... People knock on Booker because he's like not the most athletic guy in the world and whatnot, and I think that's particularly when the like the Kobe comparisons come up, and then they're like, "But he's not athletic. He's got athleticism, athleticism kind of the way that Harden has athleticism. You don't look at it and you're like, oh, that guy's like a huge athlete. Like, um, I read in an article or I heard on a podcast. I can't remember. It's been so long ago, but. They were talking about Harden, and they said that his elite skill is his ability to stop, hmm. like and slow down, and the way he can do that, and it just like throws off other players. Booker's body control and his ability to kind of just take whatever's given to him and turn it into something positive is, to me, his probably most like elite athleticism athletic ability from a basketball perspective because i mean shooting is a skill but it's not an athletic skill Mm. okay paul (laughs) so those okay when you're talking basketball athleticism in the sense that it's like i mean people called steve nash not an athlete but i'm like come on he's an athlete he's in the freaking nba right because there's like when they talk about athletes is like jumping high and like running fast and whatever and like yeah he wasn't great at those things not not nba athletic quote unquote quote unquote whatever that term means where it's like that guy's an an athlete well here's an interesting question that that your commentary there raises who would you consider a better quote-unquote NBA athlete, James Harden or Devin Booker? Or would you pretty much say it's a wash because they're both quote-unquote not NBA athletic? <laughs> Honestly, I'd probably say Devin Booker is a better athlete than the two of them. But I, but I don't know how much of that is just for whatever reason, James Harden's body type. It's kind of stocky. It's stocky. Kind of looks schlubby a little bit, mm-hmm. kind of the same way Carmelo Anthony never really got like ripped. Right, he's like, you know, whatever it is about how it kind of he carries his body carries itself. I don't know why, but the first name that popped in my head when we started talking about schlubby looking NBA players, who do you think that is, Paul? Can you can you read my mind right now? No, Boris Diaw. <laughs> yeah, well, but he actively tried to be schlubby. homeboy love croissants. <laughs> you can tell and, that much, and the vino. And the vino. And still, as I said, I think in one of our first episodes, softest handshake I've ever encountered in my entire he life. He's French. <laughs> he's probably just a nice guy. He probably, he probably saw me. He's like, I don't want to hurt this, this, this little five foot nine dude that, um, you know, is talking to me for some reason. Anyway, so let's talk a little bit about the end of that game. We kind of alluded to it. Booker scored that 59th point with a minute and a half left. Yep. So they're thinking, oh yeah, here we go. Let's see the 60. And then Paul, what happened? Um, Jimmer happened. Jimmer definitely happened. Which was an interesting experience to say the least. I mean, Booker came back in with a minute and a half left. Or no, he came back in with like three minutes left. Scored with about a minute and a half left. And then basically it was the Jimmer show for the rest of the game. Like Booker didn't even get take a shot. I don't even know how much Booker had... 
in his had the ball in his hands because you know he would have taken a shot. He wasn't going to give it up if he got it got it in his hands. Because um, yeah, Jimmer um, made a a shot with just over a minute left. Then he missed a shot. Then he took two three free throws. I mean, literally no other player on the team shot the ball during that time frame. The only other guy who even I guess you could call shot the ball was DeAnthony Melton, and that was because he was fouled with 20 seconds left. It was a really interesting um, ending to the game. I really wonder if that's the reason Jimmer didn't play in Washington. I feel like that absolutely has to be the reason why Jimmer didn't play. Also, because <laughs> well, he's also, not good. Yeah. <laughs> he's also not good. Well, And I think it. You know, we compound the Jimmer effect there with also the fact that Utah intentionally fouled with 19 seconds left when the Suns got the ball back, which is why, you know, Melton then got up there and, and missed the free throw. Yeah. They, they didn't, the they didn't want to be Boston. Yeah. But that's such like a, I'm sorry. Like, come on, Utah. That's, that's kind of bushel. You know how you stop them? Okay. Sure. Suns are getting blown out. Sure. Booker's trying to put up points, but you know what? Play defense. Stop him. Don't intentionally foul so he can't score and get 60. Is that less embarrassing? Is the fact that you had to intentionally foul a team that has a grand total of 17 wins that was playing without multiple key pieces of their team so you could avoid one of their guys scoring 60, is that less embarrassing than having him score 60 and actually playing straight-up defense on that last possession, knowing that he's going to get the ball and he's going to take the shot? I say no. Utah, Utah really annoys me. Like, a lot. <laughs> a lot. First of all, we had this Westbrook thing that happened a few weeks back. Well, they, they just legalized sex outside of marriage. Oh, congratulations, like, Utah. Today. Proud of you guys. <laughs> Proud of you guys. Let me just say, like, and maybe this is going to be a, a take that isn't very well taken by people, but if your owner has to go out in front of your entire crowd, in front of the NBA, and say, we're not racist, hmm, hmm. Mm. Mm. I'm just going to say, mm, I'll leave it at that. I'm not going to delve into it more because you're looking at me like, Justin, don't go down this path. So I won't. That's fine. We don't need you to make edits. But, 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 it's just an opinion, Paul. Just an opinion. That, I, I'm coupled, not saying... with, coupled with all this nonsense, coupled with the fact that jazz fans are kind of, what's the word I'm looking for? Did Intolerable. It? When it comes to, what, I don't even remember the guy's name. Really? No. Forgot his name. Okay. That guy on the jazz. I'm not going to say his name on the podcast. That's basically what it comes to. Dominic Michaels? Dominic Michaels. That's (laughs) the guy. I mean, it's just all of a sudden Utah is like sneaking up there as a team that I'm really, really, really not liking. I never really thought much of them until the last couple of years. It's weird. It's weird. You You didn't hate him in the Malone Stockton years? I hate him alone. I feel like you would have hated, you must have hated Stockton. Like, the way you hate, like, certain guys, the guys who you hate, I feel like Stockton would have been, like, at the top of that list. The way he, like, like was chippy and, like, he, he, he... I don't remember ever having an issue with John Stockton. Carl Malone, I felt, was one of the dirtiest players, and I did not like him for that fact. And, in fact, most players that I dislike is because they're dirty players. Manu Ginobili, Bruce Bowen... LeBron James, he's just a drama queen, so that's why I don't like him. But at any rate, yeah, the end of the game was very odd. And Jimmer, Jimmer, what the hell were you doing? But let's take that a step further. What the hell is Jimmer doing on the Suns? Why? I don't know. Was man. Adam Morrison unavailable? Like we couldn't, we couldn't go and get him instead. So uh, just to, you saying you hate dirty players? I oh. just looked up the. Ranked uh, dirtiest players in the NBA, John Stockton, number five. Okay, who's one, two, three, and four? This is clearly also a very official and scientific list. Four, right? Matt Barnes. Huh? I. What? Th- that's one I don't get. I like the that Suns fans don't like Matt Barnes. What did he do that Suns fans don't like? I still I had good memories of Matt Barnes when he was on the Suns. I, I have zero problem with Matt Barnes. Number three, Bill Embiid. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Number two, Draymond Green. I think I think that's blown over because of the nut shot. Yeah, that'll do it. And your boy, your favorite Bruce Bowen. Yup, dude, that guy's the worst. 
The worst. The worst. Oakley's, Charles Oakley's number six. Chris Paul's number seven. Rodman was eight. Isaiah Thomas was nine. And Kevin Garnett was ten. Not a scientific list. I would think Kevin Garnett like, would be higher on that list, too. And this is or two, was he just kind of like, just kind of an asshole? Maybe not so much a dirty player, not as dirty as other guys. He just played so hard. <laughs> Violently hard. Violently hard. And he was pointy. Yes. Yeah. I was like, what do you mean? You pointed people. I get what you're saying. So, okay. Let's go back to why is Jimmer on the Suns? Can you explain that to me? Because I really, I really haven't gotten it. And, 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 okay. No, go on. You go first because then I want to say something else about Jimmer and why he's on the Suns and why he should be trying to endear himself to the team and the fan base. And he's clearly not by that whole Utah event. But go on. The only th- reason I can see that Jimmer is on the Suns is with the injuries that have occurred. Well, one, he's been playing out of his mind in China. So they took a flyer on him to see, hey, can this trans like has his game for whatever reason developed in a way that could translate back to the NBA, which no, it did not. It's basically the same thing he was at BYU, which didn't translate to the NBA. And two, with the injuries to Ubre, the injuries to Tyler Johnson, the injury to Jackson, they needed somebody who's who knew how to put the ball in the hoop, which he doesn't. But for the price for I mean, they technically signed him to a two-year deal. I'm assuming that means the end of this season, and then he may get a training camp invite next season because it's not guaranteed next season at all. Um, I, I feel like they could have found somebody else who could do just that and not come with the baggage of being Jimmer. Right. And, and you know, he, he has played well in China. Congrats on that. But I just pulled up the Chinese Basketball League or whatever the heck CBA. it's called. The, the, the top scorers in that league. He was fourth. You know who's fifth? Kyle Fogg. How about that? Bring back a U of A guy. Let him have a little bit of run on the Suns. Let's do that. It would serve the same purpose. I mean, it just it doesn't make sense. And at the end of the day, whatever. It is what it is. He's here. I feel like there, there probably was a buyout guy from like the trade deadline or whatever that they could have brought in to right. do the same thing. Right. No, I completely agree with you. And, okay, the Utah thing, maybe he was like, oh, I'm in Utah, I'm back, back in my state here, he got all caught yeah. up in it, fine. But ultimately, Well, he's they a guy did give been, him a freaking standing ovation. They were going nuts. He's a guy that has been out of the league for two years, is that At right? At least. Two years, three years, somewhere in there. What do you average, like three points? Yeah, like, he was very comparable to Adam Morrison. I, that wasn't just a random name I brought up because it was another draft bus. Like, Jimmer shot better than him, but pretty comparable. So, wouldn't you, if you're him, be thinking, hey, I'm, I'm getting a shot here in the NBA again. I just got to this team. This is the team's cornerstone, the franchise's cornerstone. You know he had to know that Booker had 59 points. Well, Wouldn't I mean, you at least defer to him a little bit before he decided to just, you know, play Jimmer Ball? My, my assumption on that game is Igor pulled him out to basically be like, okay, I'm waving the white flag. Mm-hmm. And Booker's like, nah, I want 60. Mm-hmm. Like, basically said, put me back in. So if Jimmer somehow didn't know that that's the reason Booker was coming back into the game... How would he not know that? That's what I'm saying. And then still tried to get his? I'm surprised they didn't cut him after that game. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I mean, the... Minimum they could do is sit him, but I'm surprised they didn't cut him. I wouldn't be surprised if he doesn't see, unless it's like another blowout and like everybody actually sits. Mm-hmm. I would be surprised if he doesn't see a minute, another minute of action right. in the last six games. Sure, sure. So, okay, well, let's let's jump into the Wizards game a little bit here. Uh, again, 50 points for Booker. He had 30. He had 30 at halftime. That was a fun game to watch. That was a lot of fun to watch. You know, it would have been funny, fun if you would have been there, Paul. I'm, you should have gone. I want him to score 60 just so you, <laughs> I could rub that in your face for the rest of your life. I appreciate that. Yeah. One. Well, and personally for me, it would have been the second 60-point game by a Phoenix Sun that I had witnessed 
personally in my yeah, life. Yeah. I said personally twice in the you same You saw Tom century. Chambers? Tom Chambers against the Sonics. I don't know. I was probably like eight or ten or something. You didn't something, even know what but, you were doing? What you, what oh, I did. Happening? Oh, man. I was a huge Tom Chambers fan. You know, Tom Chambers and I are like best friends. So He's your boy. He's my boy. I've got a you're, selfie. You're growing out of mullet just like Growing him. out the mullet just like Tom Chambers. I did get my haircut like him when I was a kid. I kid you not. I went to my barber <laughs> with a picture of Tom Chambers. And I was like, I want this haircut. It was horrible. I need that picture. Yeah, yeah. The, that the, may I, become I, our new... Uh, like our, our logo. Our new... Me, yeah. Little Justin. <laughs> yeah. What the Tom Chambers do. I'll see if I can dig one up for you, Paul. But anyway, again, Booker went for 50, called it, called it as well. Did you see that online? That he turned yeah. to the bench and was like, I'm going for 50 or a fan or something like that. Yeah. And again, incredibly efficient that game as well. 19 of 29, so even more efficient overall from the field. Three for nine from deep, nine for ten from um, the line, ten rebounds, four assists, a steal, and a block. And it was another one of those games. And I think he only played like 34 minutes, 35 minutes, somewhere in there. Uh, he didn't play as much as he did in the Utah game. But at any rate, that game was also fun because the Suns actually hung in there. It was a close game. They had a shot to tie it at the end, which I'm frankly surprised that they didn't because Troy Daniels got a pretty good look at that shot, but pretty, pretty good, pretty good look. So Paul, any, any particular thoughts on that wizards game? Um, I mean, the only thing was just, it was interesting to watch when, uh, Beal started turning on. And then those two guys were just like, okay, this is the, they might as well just play one-on-one because mm-hmm. nobody else is doing anything. At least not on the sun side. <laughs> Well, you know, they had some guys that did a little bit of work. Dragon Bender actually looked like he belonged in the NBA. Oh, yeah, that, there, that, that actually game. was kind of fun. Yeah, I mean, he, he scored 12 points, grabbed six rebounds, three of five from deep, and had had one very, very nice, like, aggressive dunk where he even, like, threw his knees kind of up like Shaq used to back yeah, in the Yeah, that was, a, I was like, oh, hey, yeah, that was like... That was three years of aggression. From being up. so every yeah. three years he's gonna have a dunk like just, that just a monster <laughs> dunk a monster dunk and he has to make sure nobody's around him he did get sore i'm gonna use air quotes here posterized in that game by jeff green but a is dragon bender b bender was out of position it was more like he kind of just went through bender's arms but that's something we don't really need to get into you know what i'll say about that game too and being at that game Dwight Howard was very enjoyable to watch. And I say that knowing that obviously he didn't play. First of all, he's hurt, yet he dresses like he's going to play. He was in warm-ups and everything. But most of the game, he's chirping, having fun with fans. Towards the end of the game in crunch time, as the crowd was getting loud, he started doing like the Hulk Hogan, like putting his hand to his ear and having the crowd, like listening to the crowd. It was, it was, it was fun watching him play because Dwight Howard obviously has kind of like a negative rap around the league. Um, Well-deserved. But, right, but... Watching him on the sideline, he seems like he's not that bad of a dude. I mean, I don't know. Again, it did. It looked like he was having fun with the fans. Well, yeah, that's a whole different thing. But like, I mean, I don't know. I mean, details. Talk about a fall from grace. Yeah, that's that's very true. That's very true. In fact, I kind of forgot that he was on the Wizards. I did. Yeah, yeah. Because I mean, he 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 had a gluteal injury. Hurt his butt. Hurt his butt. (laughs) That sucks. Nobody likes hurting their butt. So you gotta foot up it. <laughs> is, that, is that the official and report? John Walls and John Wall like tore his Achilles. That's, that's, you should have seen <laughs> you should have seen the X-ray. It was weird. It was, it was wicked. weird. So anyway, let's move on a little bit here. I, I, and this is still along the lines of the Wizards game, but I was driving home from the Wizards game. All right, right. And I'm listening to the post game show, the Suns post game show, which is hosted by Do you know who? John Bloom. John Bloom. Now, John Bloom brought up an interesting concept, and I don't know if this is the right time for me to bring this up because we should probably take a break, but I'm going to bring it up anyway. Or you could throw to the break. That's the tease. Is that what we do? Okay, let's do that. Let's do that. I like that idea, Paul. (laughs) So we're going to leave you with that cliffhanger. Listen to this short message from some sponsor, and we will be right back. And we're back. So... During the break, Paul and I were chatting a little bit, and I do want to bring one thing up before we go into this fantastic analysis of what John Bloom had to say, and that is, I was supposed to be on Solar Panel last week, so I was supposed to pay up on my bet like Espo did in a glorious fashion, 
Just glorious Russian. Yes. Uh, so first, I want to apologize for, to Dave and Espo and Tim, even though he wasn't there this week, for not being on. I blame Garth Brooks because I went to that the night before, and well, I couldn't talk the next morning. You're lucky you weren't there with me because it was just bad singing from me, not Garth Brooks. But at any rate, so John Bloom. Yes, sir. So John Bloom in the post game show. This is not unfamiliar to uh, uh, Gang of the Flames listeners. What? Where you're going? Yes, no, it's not. And, and, <laughs> and there's a connection here, too. John Bloom, during the postgame show, brought up the idea of, during this offseason, the Suns trying to lure a certain Kevin Durant to the team. Mm-hmm. And that caught my ear because, Paul, I would say it was sometime in October when you, in fact, in fact called myself. it. Yes, you called it. Maybe I forced you. Me, but me, just, just it's a smidge, a scotch, just a little bit, just a little bit of force from me. <laughs> but you stated it, you called it this offseason, Kevin Durant coming to the Suns. That was before the Suns cratered, right? But now, hey, you know what? It makes even more sense because if Kevin Durant wants to not be known as the guy who just jumps to title contenders, hey, come to Phoenix, we're far from it. Kevin Durant can do better with the Suns roster than LeBron James could do with the Lakers roster. I agree with that 150,000 billion percent. Absolutely. But anyway, the point I bring it up, the reason I bring up that point is because about what, three weeks ago, maybe a month ago, our Twitter account did get a new follower. Like, not, that's not the only one. I mean, it's one of the few, <laughs> but this is the most notable one of, of late. And who was that, Paul? One John Bloom. One John Bloom. So John Bloom, we know it. You listen to us. You're stealing our ideas. <laughs> Is he still a follower? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Maybe he just question. he could have just stolen the ideas and then and then bailed. It's quite possible. But at any rate, I have no idea why I really brought that up. I just thought it was interesting. <laughs> I see the connection there. I'm gonna oh, go still following still us. following us. Hey John, if you're listening, come on sometime, dude. We'd love to have you. But anyway, again. I'm going to throw my conspiracy theory out there and say that John Bloom, who has now broadcast this to the Valley, and I'll admit I don't listen to every post-game show, so perhaps he's done it before, but I'm going to, again, go conspiracy theorist on you and say he took that from us, so we should get credit when that actually happens. Boom. That's it. I'm done with that now. So let's talk more about Devin Booker. Okay. <laughs> you didn't see that coming, <laughs> did you? Because I want to just, I, I, I kind of want to give him some kudos here as if he needs any more kudos from us Hasn't about how about how historic no we talked about jimmer Fredette and john bloom okay calm down paul and i'm sure some other team oh and dave and 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 tim and, and espo. espo yeah see we've talked about other stuff so when he scored <laughs> and dominic michaels yes dominic michaels everyone's <laughs> favorite utah jazz player so when he went back to back 50 plus points um in back-to-back games i said that horribly but you know what i'm saying he yep. joined a group of very elite players very to be elite. the only f- few who have accomplished that in nba history at least since the nba aba merger that uh-huh. group is bernard king michael jordan never hear of him he he did it three times anton jameson is in there which kind of is an anomaly i mean he could score obviously i like the anton jameson alan I- alan iverson ever hear of him kobe bryant I'll stop saying ever hear him. He did it four times, and James Harden. So, I mean... He's done it 77 times. No, he's only done it once. Back-to-back 50-point games. Okay. I think his were both in losses as well. Well, see? So everyone out there hating on Booker, and I don't really want to talk about that, can, can shove it. So, what we're seeing with... Take that shit and <laughs> shove it. <laughs> what we're seeing with Book is, you know, first of all, he's also the youngest player in NBA history to do it. Yep. And we're seeing him truly develop into a scorer. He's not just a shooter. He's a scorer. He's getting to the rim more. This year, I was looking at his, <coughs> his splits in terms of where he's getting his shots. And this yeah. year, 23% of his shots are taken at the rim. Uh, and that's up from his previous career high of, well, not career high, but up from last season of 18%, which well, that 5% would have been is a good jump. Career high. It wasn't. It wasn't? He, his rookie year, 21%. His second year, 20%. So, oh. yeah. And, hey. and the one thing that stands out to me, too, with these percentages and where he's taking his shots from is that the lowest percentage 
uh, amount of his shots, the lowest percent of his shots come from the area between 16 feet and the three-point line, which like is kind of like that no man's land. place right. to shoot from. Right. And he's only taken 12% of his shots there, which if you compare that to his rookie year, 22% of his shots came from there. So he's not only learning how to get to the basket more, but he's also learning where to take his shots, which I think is important. I think it's very important. And it's showing his development as a player. And obviously, it's also with him getting to the rim, his free throws are up exponentially. So uh, quick tangent. Go ahead. Still on Devin Booker. I'm looking at his splits right here. And some one of these kind of jumped out to me. and I just thought it was really funny. So I'm looking at splits by day of the week. Mm-hmm. Which day of the week do you think he has the lowest points per game? Saturday. No. Sunday. Yes. Because he goes out and parties on Saturday night. What, what do you think his average points per game are on Sundays? 26. Nope. 20, oh, that, he averages like 26, right? Um, yeah. 19. 22.6. Okay. Every other day is over 26. All right. So Devin Booker, calm down on Saturday nights, dude. I know you just turned 21. I know you really like Old Town. I know ASU is in session. But calm down <laughs> on Saturday nights, bro. Now, the other thing, too, we kind of alluded to at the top of the program is that you know what Booker's been doing hasn't just been these past two games. If you look at since the All-Star break, he's the second-leading scorer in the NBA. And in fact, he's getting to the free-throw line more frequently, or at least more times per game, than James Harden, which I think is huge. Because yeah. if he starts getting, like, he's been to the, I mean, what, the other night he shot 17 free throws. If he gets into that range where he's getting to the line 10, 12 times a night, man. Well, and what, what'll be crazy is when he actually starts to get star calls. Right. Because he's, he's doing that and not getting star calls. James Harden gets star calls? What do you think? The heck you say? Blasphemer. <laughs> He's no Dwayne Wade. Anyway, <laughs> go on. So Star Calls. I'm just saying I'm just saying that like he's getting to the line ten times he's shooting ten free throws a game? Is that what you said? Or he's making ten? He's since the all-star break, he's attempting nine point nine attempts per game. And I'll also say not to blow the whole thing where he's taking more free throws per game than James Harden out of proportion, but Harden's taking 9.8, so it's not like a large margin, but right. still. Right, still. But yeah, so I mean, when he starts getting those star calls that those of us in Phoenix think he deserves to start getting, mm-hmm. um, that number may increase significantly. I mean, not significantly, significantly, because I but maybe like up to like 11. Yeah. And I could see that on a regular basis. I mean, if this back half of the season is any indication of what next year is going to be like, I mean, assuming they can put a semi-competent team around him, he's just, he might take another leap. Yeah. No, I I, I think or so. Or he's just taking it now, and but it'll be like sustained and like really, like it'll be unavoidable, right? To keep him in, to keep him out of those conversations, right? And and you know, take into account too, his three point percentage is down this year, right? Yeah, that's that's the craziest part of this is like he's having his most efficient season statistically, but his three point percentage has is by far the worst. I believe of his career. Um, it might be the case and I'm slowly speaking cause I'm looking that up right now. And it is in fact the worst of his career. He's by only how sh- much by I'm guessing his rookie year is probably the second worst. Yeah, you're correct. It's by 1.6%. So I mean that, that's a pretty decent, I mean any in single percentage, particularly on a three point percentage increase is that's a big difference Mm -hmm. so i mean a lot of that i think has to do with just he has the ball in his hands so much and he is the focal point of the offense those three-point shots 
he's having to create a lot of those himself mm-hmm. more so than he may have had into in the past. And once he start, once they hopefully get a true point guard in there or somebody who can play back. Excuse me. Try to keep the yawns from minimum, Paul. Hey, it's the only one. Okay. But somebody else who can play make, who can get him shot, like open shots that he can just kind of run off the screen. Because, I mean, I can't see that a lot. He's not running off screens. Like, even if he's getting an open shot, it's still, or like an assisted shot, it's not like he's open. Yeah, he's running off screens just to get the ball. Yeah. But he's, he's, <laughs> he's immediately met by defenders. Um, <clears throat> And, you know, to, to, to the point of his efficiency, his two-point percentage this year is ridiculous almost 53 percent, 52.9 percent for a two that's impressive and it's up from his previous career high by more than six percent six percent you just got done saying how one percent significant six percent so yeah efficiency is there now paul unless you have anything on that i want to play a game Ooh, yeah i didn't tell you i was going to do this yes exactly so Will you play Clue? <laughs> yes. It's Colonel Mustard in the library with the candlestick. Okay, game's over. You win. Hot right. damn. End of episode. Okay, anyway, let's play the real game. It's not really a game. It's more of a, Paul, what do you think? So, Best Booker, the game. two? <laughs> yes. Paul, what do you think? Our newest segment on Fanning the Flames. Two games in a row, 50 plus points. Yep. Can he do it a third time in a row? I mean, they are playing Memphis. Mm-hmm. He's coming off of two days rest. Two days rest. I'm not saying it's not possible. And I mean... It's really a yes or no question, I feel. I don't think... I, How about he, this? Will he do it? Now it's a yes or no question. <laughs> no. I, I mean, I just... This odds of that happening, I don't see it. I can see him doing 40. Mm-hmm. I can see him getting 40, mm-hmm. um, but probably in the, I would guess in the low 40s. I mean, I think a little bit of it kind of may depend on if any of the guys who are injured come back. I mean, obviously Kelly's out. Um, I don't know. We don't really know the status of Josh or uh, um, Tyler mm-hmm. or TJ Warren could come back for out of the blue. Right. You know, I mean. He's got six games left to get five three pointers, right? Because he needs to be. He wants that minimum two hundred fifty grand. I've had conflicting reports of how much he actually can earn. If I feel he, like there are no conflicting reports. I feel like your interpretation is just poor. Okay, it's two fifty. In case anybody's wondering what we're talking about, there is an incentive in Warren's contract that says if he shoots, if he attempts one hundred eighty five three pointers. And shoots 37% on those attempts, he gets a $250,000 bonus, I guess we can call it. Yeah. He's at 180. He has 180, and he is shooting at like 42 something percent. So yeah. he can miss all, he could, he could probably take 20 more, miss them all, and still accomplish that feat. Yeah. So he definitely has incentive to come back, but um, we'll, 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 we'll give a TJ Warren update later. Jack. Don't worry. <laughs> right, right. Right. Like, I don't care if we lose. I'm just gonna just give me the ball five times down the court. Just get it out of the way, and then I'll play normal. I just get this five shots up. I think I think I owe it to him. At least let the I'll guy, buy y'all dinner. I'll let the guy go in there. To like, give him six minutes. I'll buy you some Jordans. <laughs> give him, I think I've got the money. <laughs> give, him, give him six minutes or less if it takes less time. Let him shoot those five and say, okay, we can shut you back down for your mysterious. Six injury. minutes. They could probably do it in two. <laughs> so you think, Paul? No, Booker's not going to do it. He's not going to score fifty again. I don't. I don't think he's going to do it. I think I think he might have a better shot of doing it the following game in Cleveland. Okay. Now, versus I, Cleveland. I will say, counterpoint, I think he will do it. Okay. I don't think they're going to get guys back that are going to really inhibit his ability to score. I don't know who in Memphis is going to stop him. And this is true. He's I coming off really of two days rest. Roster. And that would, be, that would be the first time a player in the NBA has scored 50-plus points in three consecutive games since... Kobe Bryant did it in 2007, and he did it then in four straight games. Was was the 81-point game in that uh, period, or no? I don't know. I don't have that information in front of me. Because, I mean, he went, what, would do 76 and then 81 in back-to-back games or something stupid like that? If you you yap for a little bit, I'll find that for you, Paul. 
I mean, hey, if Devin Booker can do that when he's like, what, six years younger than Kobe? Because Kobe was 29, like, you know, late 20s or early 30s. That portends, like, to, I don't even know what that would project to. Because, I mean, he keeps doing these things that, you know, other players are doing at later point. Other players who accomplish them are accomplishing them at, like, much later points in their life. So, I guess the question is, is, like, if he's accomplishing these things now and he's getting himself into those conversations, what is he going to be in four or five years when he's, like, reaching his prime? Right. Exactly. No, and that's what we as Suns fans have to look forward to. Because this, this team, and I'll, I'll, I'll quote, not really quote, it's more of a reference. <coughs> Greeny, over at Barstool Yo. today, in his NBA wrap-up, talked about Booker's game last night. I did not read that. And he said something to the effect of, this, this team, the Suns are going to at some point start winning games, and it's going to be in large part because of Devin Booker. And I think truer words have not been spoken. Now, back to your question. No, the 81-point game was not in there. I don't think the 81-point game was that season. But at any rate, he went for 65, 50, 60, 50. So, good job, Kobe. Proud of you. Good job. <laughs> and the 81-point game was the year before. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, that was that was definitely during the period where the Lakers were the Kobe show. Right. They really had nothing else. So, which, and that's basically what the Suns are at the moment is the Devin Booker show. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, I think, out on, I don't think it's an argument, but I feel like the Suns, um, you know, supporting cast was way worse than... The Lakers supporting cast. Then. Sure, they were horrible. I mean, they had Smush Parker and Kwame Brown. Smush Parker. I've thought about that guy in a long time. So, well, let's, son. let's 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 move on here and talk more about Devin Booker. So, on top <laughs> move of on or move back, on top of, <laughs> we're moving forward in the rundown. So, on top of you know the fifty, the back to back fifty point games. With the game last night, he also scored 20-plus points in a game for the 17th time in a row, which moves him into fourth place for that type of streak in Suns history. The longest streak being my friend Tom Chambers did it 21 times in a row, Gail Goodrich did it 20, and Amare did it 18 times. He might get that this season. I think there's no doubt he's going to get that this season, and I think it's going to continue into next season. Yeah. So that was mm. an easy... I could see Utah being like, massive Like if they just dicks. foul everybody else the whole game? <laughs> or whatever they do, they're just like, okay, we're not letting him... Like, being that he scored 59 against them, where it should have been the story that they blew the Suns out, but they the story was <sighs> he scored 59 points, and then Jimmer, Jimmer Fredette fucked Jim, him over for getting 60. Um. I could see them coming into that game going, going. We are shutting him down, and the, does shutting Booker down mean he still gets twenty points? That's a question at this point. Like you know, with the way he's been playing since the All Star break, I mean, he's been averaging um, thirty one point six points. So is shutting Booker down meaning he only gets twenty? So I mean, yes, he could keep the streak going, but if in the in the schedule that is left, the six games, that's the... If I were to pick a game where that streak gets broken, it would be Utah. Okay. And I guess it's, you know, 12 players on a team. Tell me if my math is wrong here, Paul. Six fouls. 72 fouls. So they could just theoretically foul the whoever gets the ball right away every time and maybe just run out of players and forfeit, right? I mean, that, that could be a way to stop them. Um, but I don't think they'll be able to. I mean, I think at the end of the day... They're going to, Booker's going to be able to do what he's done to every other team to the Jazz again, just like he did before. Because the Jazz right now are obviously in the midst of fighting for positions in the playoffs. So they can't really change how they're going to approach a game just to try to shut Booker down. Now, sure, 
perhaps part of the game plan for any NBA team playing against the Suns is going to be to try to shut Booker down. But I think they can't take themselves out of any sort of comfort zone where they're going to then be concerned about how well they're playing or whether they're going to be able to win that game because they're trying to do that. Now they could also just go up 20 right away and then start focusing on it. But we'll see. I think Booker's going to get that. I think I think he'll break Chambers' is, and I think he's going to break it by, you know, multiple games. And last part of the game, record for 30-plus points in a game in a row for the Suns is five. Charlie Scott did it twice. Barkley did it once. Booker now is obviously, maybe not obviously, but I'll tell you, he's at three. Okay. What do you think? Can you get to five? 30-plus in a row. So Memphis? And Cleveland. And I Cleveland. think that's possible. I I think that's definitely possible. I'm so confident in Booker right now. He might, I, I, he might do, he might pull a Kobe and score four, have four games in a row, fifty plus. I'm gonna just throw that out there. He's just gonna score fifty plus for the rest of the season. Hashtag podcast of optimism, Paul. Podcast of optimism. Podcast of optimism. Speaking of optimism, let's step into our longest running segment here on Fanning the Flames, the TJ Warren update. Paul, what's up, TJ Warren? Still out. Still not sure why. Might be out 250. Might be out 250. I feel like he's going to play at some point. Maybe against Dallas. Maybe next year. And on that note, we'll take a quick break. And we are back. All right, so let's talk a little DeAndre Ayton, shall we? Sure. I I, I have to. I just have to. We've been talking about Devin Booker's Booker's record-setting performances over the past couple of games and... The potential of him setting other records here moving forward. Well, DeAndre Ayton also set a record, Phoenix Suns record, last night by recording his 38th double-double of the season, which is the most ever by a Suns rookie. He passed Alvin Adams, who obviously, for the mathematicians out there, had 50-37. (laughs) I am good at numbers. Had 37 double-doubles. And Amari, as a rookie, only had 25. You know, I guess he wasn't a strong rebounder back then, but or really ever for his size. But at any rate, so congrats to DeAndre Ayton on that. Now, I want to say one other thing about DeAndre Ayton, because you kind of alluded to this earlier, saying he's kind of fallen off a little bit. Um, And I think you did qualify that by saying over the past couple of games. And, you know, I, I won't necessarily disagree with you there, but at the same time, Throughout the month of March, he's kind of been on par with what he's done the rest of the season. Outside of his rebounds have been down a touch, but he's still averaging 16 points per game. He's still shooting. Um, actually, this month has been one of his better shooting months since last year. When I say last year, I mean 2018. Um, he's shooting about 59% from the floor. So Aiton's still doing his thing. Uh, I think, like we've talked about, he's going to continue to improve. He is starting to show the ability and the propensity to put the ball on the floor more, which mm-hmm. I think is going to really yeah, I mean, open up his game. There's definitely been some flashes there of some moves that I really liked what he's done. Like, I mean, seeing like the, the faking the dribble handoff he's mm-hmm. done. I really liked what he's done there where it's, you got, you got Booker who draws a lot of attention, comes around to take the dribble handoff, doesn't take it. And then everybody shifted, assuming Booker's got it. And then Aiton's, Got there. I mean, his touch is just so good. Mm-hmm. It's that was weird. That was weird the so way you good. said that, dude. That was so weird. <laughs> that bothered me. Now I'm uncomfortable. Anyway, I think you like DeAndre more than me now. All of a sudden, <laughs> there are things about his game that I really, really, really enjoy, and there are things about his game that really, really, really frustrate me. And that's kind of where I stand with DeAndre. Yeah, and I think he's gonna. I, I think the frustrating aspects of his game are going to slowly fade away as he progresses throughout his career, and might even fade away quicker than some people expect. Now, since we're talking about DeAndre and and we oftentimes speak about this person in conjunction with DeAndre Ayton, but have not in a while. I want to talk about him, and that's Luka Doncic. Because maybe I'm just a spiteful person, Paul. Maybe. Maybe I hold on to grudges too much. But I pointed out last year before the draft how De- uh, DeAndre Ayton, Luka Doncic, month by month in his season last year overseas, regressed in terms of his efficiency in terms of his shooting percentages and what have you. And I've been keeping an eye on it this year to see if it 
carried over into the NBA. And Paul, you want to hear what he's been doing in March? Lo and behold. And I bet you're going to, like, you can probably predict it's not good for him because otherwise I wouldn't be talking about it. (laughs) You would not. But in the month of March, 12 games he's played. He is shooting 39.5% from the field overall. 21.5% from three-point range. 21 point. That's like Russell Westbrook. I... Is he that bad of a three-point shooter? Russell Westbrook shooting like shit. Hmm, I didn't even realize that. So, and I'm guessing that the Doncic stands out there and be like, well, he's probably just chucking the ball up a lot, you know, because he takes those heaves. Because that was the big thing before the draft. He takes heaves. Okay. okay. He doesn't take that many. And he's shooting 65% from the free throw line. So, my theory appears yeah. to be holding quite true. Westbrook is shooting 28.7 on threes on the season. Exponentially better than Doncic, at least this month. Um, so that's my DeAndre Ayton versus Luka Doncic update for this episode, and maybe I'll never ever do it again. Well, there are five games, in, five games, five games in April, so I guess I can do it then. So and you have all of next season and the rest of their careers, Paul. The rest, the rest of, of their, their careers. careers. So, what do you want to talk about now? You want to talk a little bit of draft? Hmm. Yes, I do. You know, being, you know be, being being of the Suns are on another on a five game losing streak, which you know they're really starting to solidify themselves with those top three odds. Like mm-hmm. I think they're, I don't want to call it three games up, but I guess the easiest way to describe it is they're three games up on, I think Chicago or Cleveland for. They are two games up on Cleveland. They are currently second in the reverse standings. Yeah, they're second in the reverse standings to the Knicks. And they're four games up on Chicago for that fourth spot. So they're slowly but surely moving their way into that 14% range, or at least confirming their position in that 14%. Yeah, I mean, I think, and if I understand it correctly, that if they're in the two spot, they can fall. I just sent the lottery and they got the first pick. They do? Yep. It was the second time though, first time they got fourth, but we don't need to talk about that one. Anyway, go on. Um, so I just wanted to talk a little bit about, you know, March Madness is going on right now. So, um, you know, Zion's obviously been doing Zion things. Um, and I there is nothing that has changed that would make me consider drafting anyone other than him if the Suns got the first pick. I mean, that I think I might quit the team if the Suns drafted anyone other than Zion right. if they had the first pick. I'm like, okay, you guys really, really, really are that dumb. But I think John Morant really has kind of sh- in the two games that he played. I mean, he is uh, he was on a smaller team, uh, you know, a smaller conference team, so the team as a whole didn't make it that far. But um, he showed out in those two games. He showed he can play again under uh, the spotlight of the NCAA tournament and against harder competition. And I mean, he, he po- posted the first triple double since what, I think it's 2012 in the tournament. Mm, it sounds which, right. Which is like insane. Cause it wasn't even like, it was like, Oh, here's a 10, 10 and 10. It was like, he had like 20 plus like 14 and 11. It was 17 points. Okay. 16 assists. And, 11 rebounds. Yeah, I had one of them right. But still, he's, I think, what he has shown is... He scored 28 the next game. That right, that's what it was. What he has shown is, I think, at least offensively, he is what the Suns are missing. Mm-hmm. So, if the Suns get the number two pick, I would be more than happy to, that they, if they draft John Morant, based off of what I've seen. I mean, I know there's, you know, there's always the, you know, the stories of the guys who like make a name for themselves in March and then kind of bust in the NBA. Um, But I think he, he has what can translate well to the NBA. And I think he would fit in one of the major holes that the Suns have. I mean, he is a point guard. Point guards do take some time to develop in the NBA. So that probably doesn't help the Suns winning chances in the future but if you draft John Morant maybe sign Ricky Rubio to like a year two year deal 
and that's your point guard rotation. And then we fill out the power forward spot by like trading a bunch of other pieces like TJ or Josh or um, Tyler or whatever combo Milwaukee pick, etc. to get somebody there. I think we could actually field a serviceable team the following year while he develops. Yeah, I would tend to agree. I mean, I think ultimately, <clears throat> and obviously we're not even close to being at a point where we can really fully understand where people are going to be in terms of you know draft and what have you. But right. right now, if it's not number one and it is number two, I think John Morant's the obvious choice. Just based on need alone and based on what's available in this draft, because if you look at the mocks that are out there, the next... After after Zion and, and, and Ja being one and two, the next five guys are wings. Six, if you call Brandon Clark from Gonzaga a wing on the one that I'm looking at. And ultimately, then the next guy on the board is Darius Garland, who's a point guard from Vandy. So, you know, you, you always say, like with the NBA, you don't really draft for need. But right. if the number two guy on the board is also a point guard. I need a point guard. What you need is a place, a position that you need, and you have the number two pick. Yeah, there's, yeah, there's no I mean, question I, about it. I would de- I'm of the opinion that if the Suns have anything other than one or two, they should package that pick in some kind of trade. Maybe maybe for a guy like... Um, w- would that pick be too high to trade for Drew Holiday, in your opinion? Is that too much? Yeah. I mean, it is a weaker draft. <laughs> But it is would still be a third to seventh pick. Hmm. Yeah, it seems a lot. It depends. I guess it depends on who would you, you trade get, for. What you get back? Like, like, what? What would you? What would you want? Dame. Dame. I don't think Dame wants to leave uh, <laughs> Portland. Well, if they trade him, <laughs> right? But they don't want Dame to leave. I know. And the only reason Dame's leaving Portland is if he wants to leave Portland. Right, right, right. Um, and I, I can't think of anybody offhand that I would trade that pick for point guard-wise that could theoretically be available. Right. I mean, that's where Well, I mean, the only other guys that I could possibly see potentially being available are all, like, restricted free agents, so it would be a wink-wink kind of right. deal where it's like, we're going to draft this guy because we're going to... Trade you trade him to you as part of a package to get your restricted free agent X. Right, and I think you know ultimately, if it comes down to packaging a pick that's not one or two, that's where whoever it is that's leading that charge for the Suns, whether it be James Jones or somebody else, or a combination of James Jones and somebody else, they're going to have to get you know creative. Yeah. Because when you look at, especially if you're in like the three, four range, I mean, RJ Barrett, a Cam Reddish, like those guys, there's, there's, that seems kind of high for him. I am, I'm looking at NBA draft.net right now and they've got Hachimura going to Chicago at four. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Well, Kobe White, Andre um, Hunter. Yeah. So, it, it, there's there's value there still, and I, I don't think you can just give that up just to get a point guard. And and again, that's why I'm saying you have to get creative. Maybe you include T.J. Warren in a package and you get something else back. I mean, I I, I, well, I don't the know. The Suns need to do something on that wing rotation as it is. Right. The, the assumption is, one, based on comments that Kelly's made, and two, based on his play and how the fans have kind of fallen in love with him as a member of the Suns. Mm-hmm. Unless the number... Well, even the way Kelly's talking, it sounds like they are in a range that both sides are relatively comfortable with. Right. I don't think he would be talking the way he's talking right now to the media when he's you know being interviewed and whatnot. Um, one, the, with the injury that he had, I mean, they pulled him out for the season... He's, uh, I think it was arguably an injury he probably could have played through if he was really trying to, like, get a contract from somewhere else who wanted to show out. 
You know, it's the type of type of surgery he could have gotten after the season. I mean, with only eight, ten games left. Mm-hmm. Um. So that they were willing to do it now, to me, kind of pretends that they're wow. You said we're twice in in a podcast. You're so smart. Hopefully, I used it correctly. <laughs> I wasn't um, listening to you, so. <laughs> um. But it just leads one to believe that there's been some talks behind the scenes and they really they want to bring him back just as much as it seems he wants to stay. It seems he's really connected mm-hmm. with the guys in this team and he's really he's like an X factor that has kind of helped them gel. So there's definitely something there. So if he's coming back, that just makes that I mean, the wing rotation has already been at a glut as it was, even with guys being out with injuries. So that situation has to be resolved. We have a massive hole at power forward as well. So whether it's draft a power forward, trade for a point guard, draft a point guard, trade for a power forward, somewhere in between. Right. Free agency, whatever. We need to relieve that situation if we want to have success. I agree. And, and you know, it's funny because we talked about last year how this past offseason was the biggest one in Phoenix Suns. Maybe not Phoenix Suns. History. Recent history. Recent history, history absolutely. was Robert Sarver's biggest yeah. offseason. And now we look at this offseason and it's, it's like just this, one's, this one's bigger, I think, because at least last year when you got that number one pick, you had an idea who it was going to be. Yeah. And there was less concern over what other moves were going to be made only because we knew that there was going to be more cap freedom coming up in future seasons. But now this is the year where, okay, you've got for all intents and purposes, what your core is and what it's going to be presumably. And now you have to start making moves to build around that. Uh, Or, Make moves where perhaps some of the guys who could be core, at least on the fringe of the core, get moved to bring in more established players. But but it's it's a huge offseason where something is going to have to give, something's going to have to be done. And, you know, we kind of talked about it last year. Maybe this is something that we'll cover in another pod because we're running out of time here. But we talked about how much turnover we thought there was going to be on the roster between last year and this season. And there was a ton. Yeah, and and I think we I think we had diametrically different points of view on that and I think I was horrifically wrong. <laughs> but I think that's a point that we have to take into consideration here this offseason. How much turnover is there going to be? Because we've got guys we know that are going to be there still. But we've then got guys who could go either way. Right, exactly. Like exactly. I mean like Tyler Johnson is a guy who I could see being used in a trade package this summer mm-hmm. if we're going for a bigger piece and we need salary filler because mm-hmm. taking back that salary when it's only on a one-year deal could could be the like a big chunk of it. You know, when we kept talking about Tyson Chandler and mm-hmm. like Ariza's contracts, that was like the point of them. And then, and well, we used one of them for Kelly Oubre, so I don't hate on that one at all. But... Um, you know, he's he's the piece that we have that is that. Right. I mean, you've got, you know, TJ Warren, does he still fit in in like our future plans? You got Josh Jackson, does he still fit in? I mean, the there's a lot of questions there. So I mean, between from the standpoint of money on the roster, you've got between TJ, Josh and Tyler, which is probably like in my opinion the guys who are most likely to be included in any type of trade package. That's a significant chunk of money. So you take that plus, you know, let's say the Milwaukee pick, Milwaukee pick or a future Suns pick or something, some type of package of picks, you can probably get a decent return mm-hmm. for that. So, and then, and that would arguably clear up, potentially clear up some money too that could then be used to fill out other roster holes. Right. Yeah, it will be interesting. It will be interesting. So on that note, I say we wrap up the Devin Booker episode of Fanning the Flames. Hasn't that basically been the season? (laughs) (laughs) No, I feel like we talked more about Devin Booker this episode than any other episode in the history of episodes, except for maybe when he was struggling in his second year and I fixed him. Remember that? Mm -hmm. I remember that. Mm -hmm. I do remember that. Well, Or when we uh, we had a 70-point game. Right. I mean, basically what it boils down to is if you think about it, if Kevin Durant comes here this offseason and, uh-huh. 
and um, you know that comes to fruition. That means that this podcast not only fixed Devin Booker, but also willed Kevin Durant being a son into existence. So we probably should be rewarded handsomely by the right. Suns. I can. I, they should let me go out, take those five three pointers, give me the two hundred fifty grand, or us, Paul, of course. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. I we both need that money for various different reasons. On the on the Kevin Durant thing, I mean. So we're not going to wrap up this episode. No. Okay. Nope. There's. I assume he's going to the Knicks. I assume the Suns are pretty far down the list, but at the same time, there's. You could make a really strong argument that because of all the media attention that has gone with the whole like rumors that he's going to the Knicks, yada, 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 I could see him choosing like, okay, no, I'm not going to go there. Where else would I want to go? Mm -hmm. And to your point earlier, he is a huge fan of Booker, like a huge fan of Booker. He thinks that guy's next and Booker's kind of starting to show that. Mm-hmm. So if he wants to go to a team where, you know, you've got another guy who's just been waiting to have another star around him, you've got an up-and-coming center, so you're not dealing with, like, overlap issues of some of the other, because, like, so many of the stars in the league right now are wings. You know, you can really build a core around that that he could... I could see him not just immediately, like, Sons aren't even considered. Right. Get in the door. Yeah. More so than we did with LeBron back in the day. Yeah. Perfect. Okay, now I'm going to wrap this up. Yeah. My computer's about to die. That's one reason. All so, right. <laughs> <laughs> did you not I, charge it today? I did. We've just been doing this for so long. <laughs> so, anyway, we will wrap up this Devin Booker episode of Fanning the Flames. And as we always say here on Fanning the Flames, we appreciate everybody out there listening letting us into their homes, their cars, their workspace, and having us banter back and forth about everybody's favorite team for an hour or so every week or so. Everyone's favorite team. Absolutely. And you can catch me on Twitter. I'm at so says Jay and Paul. At Dervish of World. And the pod is at Fan the Flames NBA. I did not get to change it to at the Valley Boys, unfortunately. Maybe someday sh- I will. I'm pretty sure uh, Kelly Oubre's trying to copyright that he's got merch coming we're definitely buying some of that uh, Kellen Olsen (laughs) said he was going to get an update do you see that and I was like show him this (laughs) and I sent over a little thing but anyway like we always say I always say that I don't know why I say like we always say so much but at any rate you say that too thank you for listening (laughs) depending on when you're listening have yourself a good morning good afternoon I do say that all the time too or good evening bye bye just want to hear